And we're back. Hey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> how are you? How are you? Yes, how are you? Very good. Thank you. All right. So we are back with another episode of Good Time Podcast. Very good. We are hot and on a roll. We are rolling. We are rolling. And we're having a good time doing it. Very good. My hope is that I'm breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, My go. hope is that you all are having a good time hearing it. I love it. So we, in our last podcast, we talked about the state of the church. And you touched on something about accountability and the fathers and folks. And I wanted to talk about um, fatherhood in ministry because you birthed a lot of sons and daughters into the ministry Um, and how, what that looks like, how you kind of stepped into being a father of the church. Yeah. Let's just walk me through that. Talk about that. (laughs) I I was surprised uh, when I became a father in, in, in ministry. I was a lot less surprised when I became a father biologically um, because Lita said, let's have a baby. So I know what we're working towards. I know what to expect. Birthing children of God is totally different. I was talking to one preacher and he believes that it's hyper arrogance for a person to say they have fathered this many people in ministry because he says that God is the father of ministers. Mm-hmm. Well, you can say that in a macro concept, mm-hmm. but in a micro concept, God uses us to be midwives to help birth. That's what he does. And so as we, as a midwife would say, I've now birthed mm-hmm. these many children. So too then men and women of God say, I've now birthed these many preachers. For me, the number is 173. Sheesh. 173. 173 sons and daughters that I know where all but about eight of them are. Man. I know all, but and they're all functioning in ministry, still preaching, and I praise God for that. But I didn't set out to be a father. It's just kind of who God made me. And when it started happening, I didn't shy away from it. Mm-hmm. I had this draw on ministers and training particularly women because I wasn't afraid to train them and put them up. So even in that number of 173, um, only, um, I think, 67 of those are males. The rest are females. And uh, I had a knack for training them and getting them up and legitimizing them um, for for preaching. But when I looked up, um, our, our preacher's class was epic. On a Saturday morning at 10 a.m., Saturday mornings at 10, that's not correct, Saturdays at 12 noon, we had preacher's class. 
And a preacher's class would have no less than 80 preachers in it, 60 preachers in it, most from our church, some not from our church, but they would be there. And it was everything from teaching them how to preach, but also to teaching them how to manage life. Mm -hmm. Hence the model of our churches, we don't use it a lot of literature, but it's saving souls, salvaging lives. Because the issue is, okay, I'm going to heaven, but shouldn't I enjoy the journey? Yeah. Shouldn't I enjoy the trip? So we focused on salvaging lives. And as a, as a quote unquote father or a mid husband, um, my job has been to get them there to make sure they're healthy, to make sure they're nurtured, and then to hopefully push them out to go after ministry for themselves. When you say there, you're talking about Bradley Bible College? Well, Bradley Bible College was birthed out of the preacher's preachers class. Okay. You know, preachers, the preacher's class uh, turned into, I think, oh, God rest her soul, uh, Deanna Wansley uh, talked me into having a conference. And I didn't think anybody was going to come. I had the first conference in the mid uh, to late 90s, probably 90, no, it was 98, 99. I had our first conference. It was 200 people in attendance. Wow. I didn't even advertise it. Wow. Uh, and that's when I saw that the Lord had given me something. Uh, Dr. Bradley came, uh, who was my mentor, a real mentor for me. And he saw what was happening. And he, he gave me the information to go seek out uh, um, the Bible uh, school to be a, a, a satellite school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest is history. That's how we get Bradley Bible College. But I think that, to your point, fatherhood is connected to teaching an example. Mm-hmm. If you're not there, if you're not in proximity to what you birth, you can't father them. That's a statement. And I'll double down on it. The only reason God can be our heavenly father is because one of his immutable qualities or characteristics, omnipresent. he's omnipresent. But you can't father what you're not in proximity to. You, you, cannot, you cannot do it. That's the problem uh, with the whole child support situation, right? We are making men give up money when we should be making them give up time. But if they don't want to be there and they ain't going to be present, then... We ought to throw them in jail for their time. Just like we do if they don't pay their money. If there were a penalty for not spending time, I bet you these jokers would spend time. If if we make penalties for that, but we're always penalizing the wrong thing. So you're throwing money reluctantly Mm -hmm. at these children um, without them ever having a mentor there. And that's whether you're male or female, right? I had the privilege of watching your father participate in your life. Mm -hmm. I remember going to your basketball games in high school and all of that uh, and watching how involved your father was. Man, people don't, that makes a difference. Mm And if we can legislate taking money out of your check, surely we can legislate taking hours out of your week. You walking heavy, sir. Whatever. He's stepping on toes. Whatever. Because I, I think I think it's very 
uh, disingenuous to, to say we're doing something for a child by letting the dude throw money at a situation he has to not, he doesn't have to give himself to. Yeah. And so they never learn. They never get that other side. Yeah. They never get what they're supposed to get as children. And that's why we thank God. Now watch this. Fatherhood is not biological. Yeah. Fatherhood is spiritual. The word pater is a spiritual thing. So you can be a baby daddy mm -hmm. and not have anything to do with God. But to be a father, God got to touch you. Yeah. And the same vice versa for mother. Yeah. God has to touch you. He has to give you what is necessary to be a father. So we thank God for all the, 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 the surrogate fathers yeah. out, out in the world. We still produce the mothers of the church. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> you had to define you had to define mother of the church does that mean like real credentials does that mean we just wait till you get older they got credentials for mothers they should yeah it should be other than you just getting so old we call you mother right because you could be an old fool <laughs> you you could be old and bitter. You can, you, I mean so yeah I, I would say we qualify mothers to mothers in the church connected to their service prior to becoming of age to be mother. How did they serve? I don't think your age should be the, tweet, the chief qualification for being a mother in the church. I think you need some time served in some areas, and we need to know you ain't crazy, and we need to know your heart is in the right place, but certainly we need you to do more than your 60. <laughs> Or, and or I would give you a, a crochet. Yeah, you're on the mother's board. Come on now. That's dangerous. You rolling the dice with that We rolling the dice with that one. So, yeah, I, hopefully they, they do credentials. Now, you know, and, and think about this. Um, we have a church. The combined churches aren't as big as they used to be. The combined churches, we have a membership of just under 500, okay. which I'm very happy with. I'm, I'm proud of and I'm grateful to God for but with with two churches membership under five hundred, we got four mothers. I've only given the title mother to four women. All of them spiritual. All of them serve. All of them are Bible students. Mm -hmm. They can rightly divide the word on their own. Mm -hmm. All of them have a heart uh, for young people, mm -hmm. and they want to see young people do well. Uh, and they got that long track record of serving God. Listen, I can't wait till I tell us when a kid, hey, 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 sit down. Come here, come here, let me fix your clothes. <laughs> let me fix your let clothes. Me get, let me get you a lap scarf, mm -hmm. child. That's all, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I've heard some of them say to uh, some of like my female ministers when they walk by, they were saying, oh, you showing your legs today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Just keep them honest. Yeah. Keep them honest. You bet just, yes, ma'am. This is this too short? No, you all right. <laughs> if I had legs like that, I might with show it. I love it. Yeah. So the, the fact that they have the relationship with them, with them is cool. Relationship is important. Oh. I feel like um, when I was coming up, some of the older folks, they would try to check you and I'm like, 
who are you to check me? Excuse me. You don't have a relationship. You don't have I, don't a relationship. Even know right. I don't even like you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Yeah, the only reason I say ma'am and sir is because I don't feel like the smoke at home. Right. And if I did, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get popped in the mouth oh, in the sanctuary. Listen. And then when we go home. All the way home. Yeah. And then at home. And then the rest of the week. Yeah, yeah, relationship and proximity is so important because when I think about some of the women and men in, in my home church that I respected, it was because I knew them and I respected them. But then some of the old ladies that was bitter and that just, we're like, now listen. You don't get to talk to me that way. Right. Yeah, yeah. You don't even have, a, you have not even said hello to me. Right. In years. Right. And now you want to fuss at me. Right. Yeah. So, no, no, it doesn't work like that. Now, I'll tell you something else, too, about the fatherhood. I used to have anxiety hmm. about being there for everybody. Okay. Age has delivered me from that. Okay. Because I'm not going to force my mentoring on you. You have to want it. I'm not going to chase you. I've trained you. I've developed you. I've taught you how to preach. I've shared with you about life. And if you walk away from me, Mm -hmm. after I find out it's because you didn't want it, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you do your thing. Oh, the thought that just came to mind, like it, it just made so much sense. It's like sitting at the feet. Because the father is not about to be running. You know where you know where I'm at. Yeah. I will call. I will make sure you're okay. Mm-hmm. I will check on you. And then if you show me you don't want that, I ain't doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not gonna do that. Because here's 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 parentage. When the children are babies, it is in fact the parents' job to make sure the children are okay. When, a, when there's a shift in that dynamic, it now becomes the child's job to make sure the parent's okay. Got it. And that, that's, that's that shift. Um, and so I don't take offense to it if they don't check on me, but I'm not running around trying to insert myself into people's life. They know who I am. They know what I did for them. They will either acknowledge that or not. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really worry about it. I still believe that there's a revolving door on church, and it should be. Mm-hmm. I think people come to church for the season they need that church. Mm-hmm. And I always catch flack from pastors. They hate when I say that, especially when I say it in big rooms and people clap. They hate that. But churches are not supposed to be filled with people who feel like they've been held hostage. Yeah. In, in scripture, churches are named after cities. Yeah, yeah. So that wherever you travel, there's a church. Yeah. We started to monumentalize church in the last 200 years, where we started naming it after people or things or events. And we made them monuments instead of movements. Ooh. And so what happens now is we think the building is ours. What's going on belongs to us. And we don't want the people to leave. If you leave this building, you're somehow forsaking God. That's not biblical. You're on a journey. Mm-hmm. And, and your home church is supposed to. Now, there's a handful of people that ain't never leaving your home church. Right. But the majority of people are not those people. They're traveling in life. And as life happens, they go different places. That's good. Um, I think about uh, like Paul, you know, writing the who was his who was his 
Timothy. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And how everybody, I feel like in our generation, folks are like trying to run to be a pastor or in ministry, but they don't have enough covering and they don't have nobody to like check them. And I always am like, okay, well, who is your Paul? Like who, who's over you? Um, and when you get to an age, like the, the Timothy will become, and you need to be bringing somebody along. Um, but I'm, I'm just struck that there's so many people that's running to the pulpit and uncovered. The covering is not for the one doing the covering. Yeah. The covering is done for the one that's trying to do the ministry. So for instance, no matter where you go, you are always going to be Jonathan and Alicia's daughter. But that's not just their pride. That is your identity. Mm -hmm. It gives you identity. I am not in the world by myself. I, I did not just pop up here. I have a history. I have a connection. I have people who loved me enough to give me a name and a place to stay and who taught me how to live. And even though they were not rich, they gave me my faith. And I think I'm most for that. I know how to pray. I know how to get in touch with God. That's that's the parentage thing. That That's the mentor thing. That's the covering thing. It's giving you identity. And what we have is a lot of people running around without identity. And they don't know who they are, so they're mimicking people instead of being themselves. They're regurgitating a bunch of stuff they heard on social media. They don't study because they have no identity because they won't sit still long enough to cover. Now, to the, on the other end, to those who like to say they cover people, here's my philosophy. You cannot cover who you can't carry. So if you're trying to cover people and you don't have the capacity to carry them when they're in trouble, you're a clown. You're a fake. You're a phony. You're a charlatan. Because how are you going to cover somebody and you can't pick them up and carry them when they need you? So that, that's, that's, that's loose language being used very broadly. And we got to tame that. Well, I cover them and I cover them. And that's my covering. No, they're not. Not if you needed $2,000 and they can't get it to you. Mm. Not if your church is about to close and they can't make a call and get you what you need. Yeah. They ain't covering you. They're using you. You are notching their belt. You ain't, you ain't, you helping them more than they helping you. You, you giving them numbers, but they ain't giving you nurture. My God so so what's the trade-off? My God. That's why I'm very careful about who I say I'm covering, because if they need me, I gotta be able to carry them. Yeah. That means something to me. Yeah. So that's heavy. Is it? It kind of because like, listen, in my single days, I I'll call my daddy in a minute. We'll just call my dad. I, and it'll be fixed. Right. Right. Brittany gonna call you in a heartbeat. Right now. Right now. Look, Kenny will call his mama during church. <laughs> <laughs> because, what you doing? Yeah, what you I'm in church. See? Yeah. But that's that's real, right? Yeah. Because if they're covering you, 
you believe they can carry you. And think about how many brokenhearted young ministers discovered the hard way who was supposed to be covering them had no idea of how to carry them. Right? And not forever, just from one place to another. Sometimes when you're when you're covering, when you're talking about being a parent or a father, sometimes it's just lifting them up uh, temporarily. I just need to lift them over this situation. I just need to help them get higher. And once they get higher, they're okay. They don't need nothing. They just need to get over this obstacle. Mm-hmm. But, but you have to be available to do that. And you have to be present as one, the one being covered to get that. Mm-hmm. You you can't blame me if you won't come around me. Mm-hmm. You you got to give me the shot now. Um, Bible, right? We always do. I think when you t- we we're talking about carrying, I thought about um, in the Old Testament, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, who was carried by his nurse, nurse and dropped. She dropped him and became lame in both his feet. And how many folks are dropped. being dropped? And because they've been dropped, they're now crippled. Yeah. And trying to serve. Yeah. And forgotten about. Don't forget forgotten about. Mephibosheth was discounted as one that no longer mattered, which is why he was placed in Lodabar. Uh, he was placed in a, a, a place of nothingness um, because he was dropped and broke both his, shattered his ankles. And back then there was no medicine or, or, or maneuver to fix that. The one who dropped him was charged with his care. But in a panic, they was raiding the place. People was dying everywhere, lost their footing, lost their handling, and accidentally dropped him left him in that condition. And here's the thing. I think God will have mercy for people who accidentally dropped. I think he will not have it for those who've thrown people away. Mm. I think there's two categories. There's the one who, in all of this, accidentally drops. Yeah. And then the, the story is the grace and providence and plan of God covers what man can. That's it. But how dangerous are we who literally mutilate people and leave them to die? Yeah. That's a whole nother category and God's gonna judge that. Yeah. Yeah. But but there's a lot of us who have been dropped. Yeah. And when I say us, I don't I don't I'm not using that uh colloquial. I was one who was dropped in ministry. Um and God saw fit to have people remember me yeah. and pull me. There is no way I shouldn't hate church based on the things that happened to me at church, mm-hmm. through church, by church. But uh, because of who God placed around me and because I really wanted to know God, he kept me in that time. Mm-hmm. And so I can stand and preach and lead people to this entity because I know it's not the entity that's hurting people. It's the dis or unqualified people who are hurting people. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other thing we have to remember when you bring up Mephibosheth, which is a great reference, is that even when he's brought in to sit at the king's tables, 
he was never made whole. Mm-hmm. Well, he never got his legs back. But he was covered. But he was covered. And that's what people have to understand. God doesn't build us so we somehow forget everything that happened to us. He means for us to bring that to the table and sit there at the table along with everyone else, covered, mm-hmm. even with the maladies that have occurred to us along the way. You don't hear him complaining. You hear him sitting right at that table with toes, little mangled legs under the table, still enjoying himself because he's still got a seat at the table. And that's what we have to remind people. And I don't think we do that well in church. I don't think we include devastated people enough at the table. Wow. Because they're noisy, because they're loud, because they challenge. We don't include them at the table. And shame on us for making a difference in them <laughs> when it's wow. not their fault what happened to you know we will blame the victim in church. Yeah, no, for sure. We, we will for blame sure. the victim. For sure. Yeah. I thought about that. I mean, while you were t- talking about it, and of course my focus chef came up. I one time I went to um my home church for a Good Friday service. We tend to do within um my home church, we would only do communion a handful of times a year. Mm-hmm. Good Friday was one of them. Mm-hmm. It was sacred. We was fasting all week. Consecrated. Yeah, it was a big mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. And so um, in, in some recent years, I went for whatever reason, I was like, you know, let me just go home. Let me just be home for a little bit. And was kind of upset because the pastor wasn't preaching and it was a guest pastor. And I'm like, well, how the devil, you know, on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that even, you know, all, all the days are not preach. But we got to take communion and all the things. But brought in an, um, a pastor, Aaron Porter, mm. from Indianapolis, I mm. believe. And he preached about uh, he preached from that text and when he opened the text, you know, I, I'm a student. So when he opened the text, I'm like, well, what are we, this is what I'm talking it's about. Communion, it's communion. Right. Tell me about Jesus on the cross. You got to give me something about Jesus. And he, he preached about the brokenness of Mofobo Chef and how David remembered him and brought him to the table and he sat under the table and he was covered and even though he was broken, he was covered. And that's that particular day, I happened to be sitting under the balcony. I tend to not want to sit under the balcony because I watch mm. all of service. Mm. I, when I'm in church, I'm watching everything mm. and I get distracted. And in our communion service, um, from back home, people would get up. It, you didn't. You stood up. You walked around. You got your sacraments. You came back to your seat. We all took it together, mm-hmm. right? And as I sat in the back of the church and watched people in my adulthood, that I started to learn their like I knew their stories now. Mm-hmm. I knew some of the things that they had gone through. That thing sent me under mm-hmm. and I mean I was weepy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because as a child growing up in church you don't you don't know you don't know what you don't mm-hmm. know right when you become an adult and you start to understand some of the things that people have gone through and then they walk in front of you still you see and I'm like especially when this dude is preaching about brokenness whew. and being covered in spite of it man it no it sent me yeah. it sent me and it humbled me mm-hmm. 
um, it humbled me to even look at my brothers and sisters in Christ differently. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all differently got high, differently high. we all are dealing with something, right? And so, as an adult, I can't remember how old, but you know, as an adult, I'm like, dang, like now that I know what this person goes through, it brings me joy to see them in the house of God. Um, it, it, to know the trauma, you don't really know people's traumas, but you know, some of the, the stories, the storms that mm-hmm. they oh, go through, right. And it's like, no, we are still walking up to get our sacraments and take this and thank the Lord for his body and his blood and all the things. And it, it really, it really sent me. So I'm like, okay, on this good Friday, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good for with this, mm-hmm. this message. Right. But the, the message that spoke louder was the saints that could still come and commune and participate. and participate at the Lord's table, mm. regardless of what they had been through. See, see, with that though, going back to your point of fatherhood and proximity, if you don't decide that you have a need to be with your spiritual father that day, you miss that meal. You miss that blessing. You miss what was prepared for you. That could have only come by you going back to your house. Proximity. You you wouldn't have gotten that word at any other church. You had to get that from home. Yeah. And it wouldn't have resonated because you wouldn't have known the people. Right. That's, yeah. It's a perfect recipe for you to get the meal you need on that Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's a part of, of, of the parenting to know what's good for the people you're covering. There's another word they need to hear today. Not that I can't preach, not that I'm not ready to preach, but I think there's another voice that needs to be heard today. That's a part of it too. Mm-hmm. We thank God for um, people hearing him. Oh. And stepping away and allowing folks to eat whatever meal they need. At the as, time. As, as long as the head of the house is okay in the meal, receive it. Get your head right and receive it because I promise it's going to bless you if you let it. It's going it's to bless you. I've, I've learned that just over the years um, that people need to hear not random voices, but some different ones. Mm-hmm. People that they know you respect. And so they'll respect and they'll hear it. And it helps the whole house. It helps, it helps the whole house. I've enjoyed being a father, especially as I get older. I enjoy it because I'm less stressed about it. Much less stressed about it. I kind of let my spiritual children do what they're going to do. And I'm there when they need me. And I like that role. It looks good on you. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. Well, that brings us to a That's another one. And another one. These are going too fast. And another one. <laughs> All right. <laughs>